Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. Blackhawk 720. Came to the left circle, pulls up, hole, fires, he scores! Number 400 for Patrick Kane! Take the Blackhawks to go. Blackhawk 720, your insider key to the Hawks. Kane over the Stars line with an empty net. He shoots, he scores! An empty net goal, and that will put it away. It's time for Blackhawk 720, the only Hawks podcast worth listening to. Now, here's Chris Bowden and Joe Brand, podcast royalty. Hi, everyone. Welcome to a fresh edition of the Blackhawk 720 podcast, along with Joe Brand. I'm Chris Bowden as we record our final Blackhawks in-season 720 podcast, because the next time we're going to come to you is, uh, unfortunately, we know now that the season will be ending uh, after the game on Monday, May 10th, versus the Dallas Stars in front of fans at the United Center. But uh, kind of what we have been seeing all along over the course of the last couple of weeks, especially uh, during the month of April, and then as it evolved into May, and we saw other teams strengthening their bids and their causes, pushing for the playoffs, and the Blackhawks not being quite able to keep up they were in fact officially eliminated on monday in the first after the first of those three games against carolina that continues thursday before returning home for the final two home games and uh yeah just just kind of momentum going the wrong way for this young team and you could look at any number of factors contributing all at once uh to this team slipping out of playoff contention but it was you know an exciting interesting and fun run while it lasted this season. I think uh, from what we expected coming in, uh, this season was a lot more fun than many of us expected. It's always interesting with the way a season shapes out, especially with expectations heading into a year. Uh, If you take this one, for example, for the Blackhawks, I mean, heading into this year, no one had really high expectations. They thought this team had a lot of holes and a lot of youth and missing a lot of their star players, and they did. And uh, after a little bit of a slow start, they picked things up. And they were really turning some heads, and they were really interesting a lot of people. And uh, that unfortunately fizzled out. But I will say this, with with the page now turned in terms of we know that this team will not be heading to the playoffs, I think there is some positives for these final few games left on the regular season that hopefully can help this organization moving forward. But for the most part, you got to look at what this team was able to accomplish in the past. And, you know, Ben Pope had a tweet on... Uh, on Twitter earlier today uh, saying the Blackhawks led the NHL with 277 starts by rookies this year. And that's a big, big number in terms of rookies starting a game. Uh, The next closest, the New Jersey Devils with 261. After that, Ottawa with 211. I mean, no one else in the Hawks division has more than 185. And that was Dallas. And Tampa Bay, Columbus, Detroit, they all have under 100. So you look at what the Hawks were able to do for a good chunk of the season. With all of that youth, it's got to be promising. There's still a lot of of work to be done, a lot of ways to go, but 
that should be promising for Blackhawks fans. And uh, we should clarify, we're recording here Tuesday night after the Blackhawks 6-3 loss at Carolina, since they have an off day Wednesday before closing out that three-game set at Carolina on Thursday. Uh, with that loss on Tuesday, the Hawks now 0-5-1 over their last six. Since the beginning of March, which when we knew was going to be the March into whatever this season was going to be, for better or worse, and uh, when we looked at that March schedule coming in and then, you know, uh, gasping for air as the calendar finally flipped to April, since the beginning of March, the Blackhawks have lost 18 of 30. But again, it includes an 0-5 and 1 mark over the last six. So they were treading water for a while there, even though the the, the slip was slight game by game. You know, uh, they fell short of results when they weren't winning in regulation. Over those 30 games, just five of them have gone to overtime or a shootout. The Blackhawks have won three of them. They lost two of those. And the fact uh, we brought it up before that they could not push further games at least into overtime or a shootout to collect some points in a losing cause, that ended up hurting them. So they fall to 22-25 and 6, remain at 50 points after the 6-3 loss at Carolina. And even in these two games, Joe, we saw, you know, just a, uh, I don't know how to, how to describe it, just a not ready to start type of game against uh, Carolina on Monday when the first period was all theirs. The first period and a half for all intents and purposes were all Carolina. And I don't think it's necessarily a ready to play mindset that you can label on it. It's just that. Uh, this Carolina team, which is still leading the NHL and hitting on all cylinders, despite the fact that they have a couple of their own injuries on guys that they are expecting to contribute in the playoffs, uh, they're in their home rink. They are hitting on all cylinders. They know exactly what they want, what they need to do, what their MO is, and they executed it, and the Blackhawks just seemed a little uh, flat-footed, uh, not having their toes over their skates, and they played you know, catch-up that entire game, making it respectable in the third period, but I thought in the game on Tuesday it was almost the, the complete reversal. Now, maybe Carolina takes their foot off the gas, but the Hawks responded, took that 2 nothing lead, Yes, Carolina's the type of team like the old Blackhawks days that can flip the switch whenever they want to, but the Blackhawks able to hang in there. Two goals by Alex Dabrinkit as his fascinating season continues. Just outstanding bounce back from Alex Dabrinkit this year. And kind of the theme also as part of uh, this entire season New faces, new kids getting a taste of the NHL, enjoying their first success in the NHL. Mike Hardman, Mackenzie Entwistle getting their first NHL points on the very same goal. I don't know how Troy Parchman is going to split up that puck, whether he <laughs> saws it in half or not. But, uh, you know, he's in there. Colin Dealey is back in the net getting another opportunity after kind of a lost season. We'll hear from him in a moment. But uh, we saw a little bit of everything in that uh, in this game on Tuesday night against Carolina. But in the end, those teams that are loaded for bear, experienced, know each other well, and there's a reason they are in the top three in the in the division, if not uh, among the top five in the NHL. Uh, they put their foot on the gas when they wanted to, and the Blackhawks scratched and clawed as best they could, but in the end, fall short. Well, it's that, and it's kind of been the same story that's been going on this year, as the Hawks have had trouble putting together a full 60 minutes of their absolute best hockey. And, you know, when they take on a tough opponent like Carolina, like Tampa, like Florida, uh, it's, it's difficult for them to fully bounce back because these teams just, let's face it, I mean, they, they've got... Uh, they've got more skill, they've got more chemistry with each other, and they've got more experience. So so the Blackhawks still uh, have, they need time, they need hard work, and they need a couple other things in order to accomplish those other things to match up with some of the better teams in the division. Um, but 
once again, we see rookies score their first goal of the year, and that's a feel-good motion. But, but yeah, you're absolutely right with Colin Delia. And honestly, let's take a look at the goaltending situation all year for the Blackhawks. We didn't know what we get out of Kevin Lankinen. He ends up being a fantastic goaltender from the get-go. That kind of got watered down as the season went along. Malcolm Subban had a very impressive year. And now Colin Delia, who hasn't played between the pipes in, what, three and a half months? Mm-hmm. Back-to-back games somewhat. I know he came in mid-game on Monday, but you know he shows that he really doesn't have that much rust against a very good team in Carolina. So, you know, credit to Jimmy Waite. Credit to the Blackhawks for keeping their goaltenders ready and, and kind of uh, definitely nailing their goalie, goalie situation for the most part this season. Uh, that That's just definitely been a big reason of why the Blackhawks were in a playoff opportunity for so long this year. So credit definitely has to be given there. But yeah, it comes down to um, youth playing a big factor for this team and not having just that ingenuity just ingenuity just to flip the switch I heard Troy Murray make the comparison like you just did about how Carolina is kind of like the Blackhawks of old that could flip the switch on and, and play their best hockey exactly when they needed to uh, but I also heard Mike Hardiman Mike uh, Hardiman is putting that puck in his parents basement I believe <laughs> next to his first if he gets it from whistle yes yeah. Yeah. if he gets it from Ed whistle or else they split custody or something well like isn't that, isn't that like month. the old fable where uh two women are fighting over whose baby it is and then the the king says all right we'll cut it in half and then we'll each give you half and they Joe say going biblical on right us yeah that's uh, <laughs> maybe you'll be the hockey sage and then uh, and Whistle will be like, no, no, it's his goal. I want him to be the rightful owner of the puck. Yeah, maybe uh, Mackenzie will just have to wait for that first NHL goal. And <laughs> yeah, who knows? Too. Maybe that will come here in the next uh, in the next three contests uh, before the end of the season. He getting an opportunity, by the way, and we'll circle back to, to Colin Dealey in a moment, but him getting an opportunity, by the way, it should be noted, Kirby Doc, uh, as we record here, and based on what Jeremy said post game, it's a possibility that he could be done for the season. Uh, based on scar tissue buildup following wrist surgery, anyone who has had surgery knows all about scar tissue that that is a factor and it could be a a pain and something that has to be addressed a little bit later on whether it's a removal or finding ways to break it down and uh you know Kirby I don't know if he ever reached 100% my inclination is to say no but uh it, it was still uh, by the Blackhawks medical staff uh, no doubt a green light for him to go and I think uh, very beneficial for him to get back in and uh, get a feel for the game so he's not waiting from uh, practically August from an NHL standpoint to next August or September. There was that World Junior Championship practice time, we should say, before he busted that wrist. But enabling Kirby to get back into the lineup, and uh, yeah, you, you could tell it just didn't seem like he was quite 100%. But uh, credit to him for getting back out there and getting his legs back under him. And uh, hopefully uh, bigger and better than ever uh, when the Blackhawks report to training camp in September. Yeah, and I think the other thing to keep in mind about Kirby Doc is, you know, this... I don't want to call it a best case scenario because obviously the best case scenario is he doesn't get injured. But I mean, let's let's take a look at it. There was a chance that the Blackhawks weren't going to get him at all for 2020-2021. He ends up kind of coming back earlier than expected, so he doesn't lose a full year of development. He immediately made an impact that 
also wasn't as strong as it was from the get-go. But still, again, he doesn't lose a full year of development. And now with the Hawks being out of playoff contention, you give him that extra rest. And you give him some extra time just to nurse anything left on that surgery, left on that injury. So it's it's not that bad of a situation for Kirby Doc. And as we've talked about so much time, uh, he's the most important part of the Blackhawks organization on the ice right now. So why not make sure that that is the best case scenario in terms of what we were dealing with before heading into this year for him. So it's 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 kind of an okay thing that's going on right now, at least in my eyes. That's my opinion. Yeah, he, he was kind of like the, the, the playoff push acquisition. Yes, yes. At, you know, and he was ready for it. And they, they, you know, there were a lot of people who thought he would be back on the ice and playing sooner than he was. The fact that he made it back at the end of March and, and able to do that once now that they are out of contention as well, no sense in pushing it, especially if uh, that scar tissue is something that is going to need to be addressed in one manner or another, whether it's opening it back up again or not. But uh, moving along, there are more than enough candidates and guys and puzzle pieces that they want to take a look at here over the last handful of games and uh, take a look at them in NHL game situations uh, that uh, uh, there's no need to throw Kirby Doc out there over the final, uh, as it turns out, four games of the season. And it is late, but Colin Dealey did, in fact, get his uh, next opportunity. We started talking about the goaltending situation. I think it's fairly evident that, you know, perhaps in his first taste of the NHL grind, Kevin Lankin experienced over the last uh, three, four weeks that, uh, you know, it, it is unlike any other. And uh, whether it's uh, mentally, physically, uh, whatever it is, uh, that's part of this learning process for Kevin Lankin as well. And I think, you know, he's the guy that the Blackhawks have their eyes on as, as the number one. Come expansion draft, he will be the goaltender that is protected. But then uh, it's now between Malcolm Subban and Colin Delia finally getting another opportunity. And uh, before we hear from Colin, first of all, uh, when you do hear from him, if you haven't heard these clips already after he met the media following his relief effort on Monday night, all props to him. Um, and I think he's kind of emblematic of all hockey players. They're not going to bring any bad thoughts or resentments or dirty laundry uh, out into the open. And I don't even know if this guy uh, is even capable of that. But even if he does, uh, being a great teammate, he, he kind of discusses that. Uh, there were other factors that, that came into his uh, star rising two years ago when he was pegged to be the backup to Corey Crawford until all of a sudden Robin Leonard becomes available at an affordable price and they bring him in and him having to deal with the hope of being a backup to Corey Crawford to now uh, either hoping, and that's not exactly the right word to use, uh, one of those guys gets injured last year and he gets an opportunity. Otherwise, you know, sitting all season in Rockford or playing all season in Rockford when he had already pretty much proven that he could uh, handle that. And then we come into this season, and he's in the mix. He gets games two and three down in Tampa Bay and Florida. And, uh, you know, he doesn't set the world on fire. They decide to give Kevin Lankinen an opportunity. And for the most part, Lankinen took that and ran with it uh, until he perhaps started running out of gas a little bit. And Malcolm Subban certainly had his share of bright moments this season. So those two kind of blocked Colin from a path. But as we got down the home stretch here and as uh, playoff contention seemed to slip away from the Blackhawks, uh, Colin Dealey was going to get his opportunity and probably a little bit sooner than expected in being thrown in relief on Monday. But he certainly answered the bell with that opportunity. What you love to see for guys who have been waiting this long is to is to kind of grasp it. Now, it wasn't a perfect game by any means in that start on, on Tuesday, but by the for the most part, uh, I would love to see what these goaltenders can do with, you know, a defense that 
is, is is more consistent, a little bit more sturdy in front of them. And Colin was victimized a couple of times by that as well on Tuesday night. But good on him for being the good soldier, even though the clock is ticking on his career for uh, – putting a good face on this as you'll hear in a moment well there's there's what three games left in the regular season and so there the verdict will still be out when the season comes to an end but I really feel like this has been a positive year for all three goaltenders in a way of building up confidence especially with Kevin Lankin and I mean we were smitten with everything that came out of his mouth at the beginning of the year because <laughs> right. he was just he, he seemed to have the perfect attitude and yeah you hit it right on the head with Colin Delia too I mean talk about a guy that probably should feel like he's been just not thought of for having an opportunity and here he comes in you know kind of unexpected after game after game after game not playing and seeing Malcolm Subban or Kevin Lankinen's name on that list he comes in midway through the game against Carolina and puts up what 19 stops was it on Monday Mm -hmm. Uh, and then the next day a a decent game I mean not all those goals were his fault but not a perfect game either but but still that that's got to be a huge confidence boost for the guy and the same thing for Malcolm Subban I mean how long has this guy been waiting for some consistent playing time he gets some. It, it is a little sporadic, but that's because he and Kevin Lankinen were kind of going back and forth. And and Malcolm Subban has shown that that he can be a consistent goaltender at least as of right now. So I think positives for all three of these goaltenders right now, and it kind of leaves the Hawks in a good spot because, like you mentioned, that expensive expansive draft uh, could play a factor. We all thought the Hawks were just totally out in the goaltending situation after not having Corey Crawford and Robin Leonard after last season, but um, you know, a lot of steps forward for all those guys in the crease. And the real tough nut for Colin Dealer was the fact that he would have to clear waivers in order to return to Rockford and get some consistent playing time, and with all the rotten goalie situations and injury and COVID protocols that so many other teams this season ran into. If he went through waivers, in all likelihood, uh, he would have been claimed by another team. Uh, but uh, so, so that was bad luck on top of the bad luck that, for, for Collins' case, that neither of these guys got injured with, with uh, as far as Kevin Lincoln and Malcolm Subban are concerned. So he had to sit and wait and be patient, uh, but he finally got his opportunity. Better late than never here late in the season. Uh, let's hit, listen to what uh, some of the things that Colin Dealey had to say during his Q&A with reporters following his relief effort on Monday night in Raleigh. Yeah, absolutely. It's been uh, challenging, but I've got to be thankful, you know, for the opportunity to even be in this situation to begin with, you know. Uh, you know, I'm very thankful to be a part of the organization and, you know, I'm thankful to, you know, compete and work with some amazing individuals every day. So uh, although it has been challenging, it's also, you know, super gratifying, you know, to be here and be a part of such a great organization. You're trying to prove something here in the final games and kind of take something into the off season with some positive momentum. Honestly, I just want to battle for the team. You know, it's definitely been a long, long road for me, but um, honestly, like my focus is just trying to help the team win best I can. And if that's playing or if that's playing in a supportive role, so be it. But uh, whatever, whatever I'm called to do, I'm just going to try and be ready regardless. Was there a particular aspect of your game that you focused on improving during this layoff? Uh, honestly, just following the puck the best I can with my eyes, especially when you, you don't get into a lot of practice action. Uh, you got to make sure your habits are really crisp. And that's one thing I, I really focused on with Jimmy and, obviously, as well as, you know, good foundational skating elements, but uh, just tracking the puck best I can. Has there been anybody that you've kind of leaned on, either family, coaches, players, teammates, former teammates, just to kind of help you through? Because it's got to be mentally, I guess, taxing, right, to go a couple months and, you know, barely seeing any game action. Anybody kind of, you know, helping you out that way? 
Uh, we have a wealth of, you know, support system here at the organization, whether it's coaches, um, you know, actual hockey coaches or, you know, even mental skills coaches, uh, you know, to family members, to my fiance. It's, it's, it's a total, it's a total effort, very holistic from everybody. So uh, to me, it's just, uh, you know, leaning on my support system. There's not any one person in particular that I lean on more than more than others but um yeah it's just kind of a holistic uh, approach from you know different spheres of my life it's challenging when you're not playing but you have to remember that you know it's a team game and uh Lanky and Subi you know absolutely carried us you know as, as far as we have been or excuse me as far as we've come this year so you know they, they've done an excellent job so just trying to be you know cheerleaders for them and you know, support them the best I can and just, you know, talk about certain things that I'm seeing, you know, in their game, just to be another observer and, uh, you know, give some uh, constructive criticism. So uh, if that's my role uh, up to this point, so be it. But, you know, I love to play, I love to compete and, you know, I'm super grateful for this opportunity. Well, Colin Dealey is not the, uh, the spring chicken that a lot of, uh, current Blackhawks are, young Blackhawks, more inexperienced Blackhawks are, as, uh, he's 26, turns 27, uh, coming up uh, during the course of this offseason. But, uh, his situation, um, granted, as, as the pages kind of, you know, continue to flip on, on his career and he awaits, you know, a, a solid opportunity. There are countless others in this Blackhawks lineup. Uh, you can count them up and down, uh, as, as you mentioned, with some of the numbers and some of the experience that these kids are getting this year, uh, who have getting stop and been getting stop and go opportunities. Yeah, and, uh, I think Ian Mitchell is, is one of those guys who's also kind of emblematic of this season as you throw kids in there, uh, test them in the waters. Uh, uh, throw them in there against the Sharks called, uh, not the San Jose Sharks, but the Tampa Bay Lightnings and the Florida Panthers and the Carolina Hurricanes of the world. And there's going to be ups and downs. And it's happened to all these uh, kids throughout the course of the season. You know, y- you can name them from uh, Suter, who's not so much a kid, but uh, you're more likely to the Kurashevs. And uh, Brandon Hagel has been the most consistent of them all. But it, when it comes to the defensemen, uh, it gets a little more dicey. And that's, you know, the toughest positions to play in the NHL other than goaltender for a young player, our defense. And the Blackhawks are loaded, and uh, they have, you know, picked and choose, uh, pick and chosen opportunities for each of these young guys, whether it's a Kalanuck or whether it's a Mitchell or a Bodan or uh, any other number of kids who have gotten those opportunities. And uh, it's, it's been kind of a bumpy ride. Even Wyatt Kalanuck, who has been strong with his opportunities of late, he had back-to-back games where he was a minus five. He's shown those flashes of great things, and even though he's one of the more experienced guys at age 24 – you know, you see the baptism of being in the NHL and playing against the very best in the world, uh, jump up and bite these guys. And, uh, you kind of knew this was going in. And for those who, you know, uh, on social media jumping and pounding, this guy stinks. Why are we going with this guy? Hey, if you didn't realize going in to the season, this was going to be part of the equation. Um, then uh, that's pretty pie in the sky because uh, these kids are, are learning under fire and they're just unfortunately sometimes that you see it out there for the world to see. Yeah, you got to live with it and you got to die with it with this team this year because it's it's a very young team that's still figuring things out. And, you know, Jeremy Colleton's still figuring some things out about all, all of these players. We've said it time and time again that 
um, you know, the, the amount of playing time that these guys are getting is a little bit more this year because guys like Jonathan Taves and Kirby Dock for the majority of the year were out and there's just a lot more availability. So at least these guys can go through these growing pains consistently without having to look over their shoulder for playing time the entire time. But the other thing to keep in mind, especially like you mentioned it with so much young defensemen, I mean, small defensemen too, and, and they're going up against mm-hmm. some really big, bad Burly teams. I didn't even mention Adam Boquist, who's twenty. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Done Ex- for the year. Now. Exactly. <laughs> so I, you know, that that is a factor. That is a factor. As much as you know, the jump start that this team had in the first couple of months and and totally revived the energy of how good this team could be. You have to take into account that okay, it's still a young team, and these growing pains are going to happen. And not only that, these losses can be. A learning mo- moment for this team. The, the this adversity that they're facing now, they're realizing what it takes to not win in the NHL, but to sustain winning in the NHL. And I think that's been the hardest pill to swallow for this team this year because now they're facing these bigger, more experienced teams that have found their groove and found their rhythm. And and the Carolina Hurricanes, for example, in these past two couple of games, maybe they don't play their best hockey for a period or two, but they're able to turn it on when needed most and for the majority of the game. And I think hopefully it's it's the perfect opportunity for the Blackhawks to realize, okay, this is what we need to do in order to take the next step. Because that work ethic was there at the beginning of the year. But maybe they were just taking advantage of some teams that hadn't figured it out fully yet, not not discrediting what they did earlier this year. It was hard work, and it was everyone buying into the system, but it showed that all of that needed to click in order for them to win. And not to mention, they had at least tread water on 5-on-5 five five and excel in the special teams, or vice versa. And every game in those first couple of months, or it seemed like every game, that was happening, and that's why they were able to find some sustainability. But unfortunately, that had fizzled out now as the year progressed. You know, the first to the exact uh, halfway point of the season, you talked about what, what this team was successful at. The power play was 26 of 84, and then uh, heading into Tuesday night's game, they were 11 for their last 81. So you take into account that, you take into account uh, you know, your number one goalie feeling the effects of a season, uh, uh, his first NHL season, and you take into account the effect of some of these young defensemen uh, being exposed, flashing, showing great things, creating excitement at some points of the season, particularly early on, but then as the grind goes on, uh, they learn a little bit more, they get a little bit more exposed as teams learn about them, and it was interesting listening to uh, Ian Mitchell. Uh, He was out for about three weeks uh, due to coach's choice, due to him just kind of resetting here. Highly regarded, second-round draft pick in 2017, put three years of college in at uh, the University of Denver, one of the college powerhouses, and uh, thought to be one of the guys. And for a while, early on this season, uh, it looked like he was entre- had entrenched himself into the lineup. But then, as the season goes along, you'll learn a little bit more about uh, what your body type is, how you're going to have to grow physically here if you're going to become an elite player uh, in the NHL, and and uh, also, uh, other teams learn about you. And Ian Mitchell, before Monday uh, Monday night's game at Carolina, after uh, returning to the lineup uh, the previous game for the first time, as we said, in three weeks, talked about what this rookie season has been like, the highs and lows of Ian Mitchell this season. It's just being aggressive and trying to, to make plays and trying to make an impact uh, on the game. Uh, I think for a while there, I was just kind of letting the time run out when I was on the ice instead of trying to... I guess do good things and, and try to, I guess, yeah, create offense. So 
Um, those are things that yeah, I've been trying to, I guess, get back here in the time that I haven't been playing. So you take from it of just how difficult it is to establish yourself in the NHL and you can have a good run where you play really well and think that uh, you're kind of set up, but then things don't necessarily go that way. So um, you can never take your foot off the gas. And I, I don't think I did take my foot off the gas. It's just that, you know, there's a lot of good players here and everyone is going to get their opportunity. So um, you just got to work work every day to, to try and make it. I'd, it's something that I think I'll take from, from the season. I was playing every night the first uh, probably almost 30 games. I thought that, you know, I'm really starting to get into a groove. And um, But it's a tough league in a couple games and you get rattled and you get thrown off your game. And um, But like I said, that's kind of, you really understand how difficult of a league it is. So, um, you know, I'm going to really work, work really hard to try and get that um, consistency back and, and try to be an everyday player. I think more it was just mental, like every day there's, all right, another game, another game, another game. Whereas I didn't feel like my body was wearing down. It's just maybe that, yeah, just kind of the grind of the season definitely takes its toll. So um, I guess maybe that's what they call the rookie wall. I don't know. I still have a lot of belief in myself and I know I can play a really high level. So it's just kind of part of the process of being a rookie and trying to, to improve every day. What are your plans for this off season? What are you hoping to to work on for to make next season a little more stable for you? All aspects of my game. I got to defend better. I got to be more impactful offensively. Um, so I'll be working on, on all aspects on the ice and in the gym, getting faster, stronger. Um, yeah, there's nothing that, that I can't work on for sure. So now that these kids have had have, have had a taste of the NHL uh, and, and a significant one at that, uh, they know what they're up against. And again, uh, Stan Bowman uh, drafted for skill some of the smaller, skilled defensive guys over the course of the last handful of drafts. And um, he's also added, you know, a couple of big guys. Alex Vlasic is a guy who may be a couple of years down the road and has been playing well in college. And uh, a couple of other uh, bigger size guys, Wyatt Kalanick is, is someone who has size as well. But these guys uh, know what they're up against in today's NHL, what they'll have to do this offseason. And, you know, even Dun- even though Duncan Keith isn't that big of a guy in stature, he has filled himself out to 190-some pounds. But I think I-, I couldn't find his exact weight when he was drafted back in 2002 by the Blackhawks at 18, 19 years old. But I'll bet uh, he could have been about uh, a good 15, 20 pounds lighter than that before he built himself into the freak of nature that he has become by all his hard work and recognize, recognizing what he has to do to stay in this league and to excel in this league. And now it's up to these guys, many of whom have played a lot with Duncan Keith this season, to follow suit and uh, realize that that's going to be a big part of their development here moving forward. Get him in the hands of Paulie Goodman and the entire uh, training staff of the Blackhawks. I wonder, 192 for Duncan Keith right now, I wonder how much that's gone down since his haircut his shave, because I notice he's been just rocking the straight stash lately. Right. And uh, how much playing time he's had this season. I Leading mean, the Hawks in ice time he, once again, 16 he, consecutive years. That's that's a, a lot of a lot of playing time. And uh, like you mentioned, you know, a lot of guys have played a lot with Duncan Keith, and uh, that that's part of it. But you know, again, it goes it goes to the youth and the experience, and and the few guys that are the veterans on this team right now with Keith and Kane, and I guess Connor Murphy. Um, and kind of Alex to bring it now. I mean, hopefully that's something that a lot of these defensemen are 
are taking into account of what Duncan Keith is on and off the ice. And I mean, Duncan Keith was a guy that was just always kind of able to hold his own. It's not like he was this big bruiser or any type, and it doesn't seem like that's the type of defenseman that the Blackhawks are trying to groom right now. So, you know, hopefully Duncan Keith can be that guy, that that role model for these young defensemen to, to realize how to excel at the NHL level. And no, all you pessimists out there, we're not saying that every one of these Blackhawks prospects is going to turn into Duncan Keith. It is just the, the sample <laughs> and example that he can set for some of these guys and, and what their capabilities could be. And yeah, there's a whole lot else to Duncan Keith's game that uh, these guys will also have to develop in terms of their skating and their stick work and whatnot. But, uh, you know, you can't uh, be better than a, a two-time Norris Trophy winner to uh, get some experience and be around. And I'm sure they have uh, soaked that in as well. Another guy that uh, has been great to be around uh, for the Blackhawks and these young players has been Patrick Kane. And it has been, no doubt, a tremendous season for Patrick Kane when you take into account going into Tuesday's game. 62 points were seventh in the league. His 47 assists were third in the league. And uh, this while playing, again, with any number of line mates, young line mates, uh, kids, inexperience and whatnot, he has put up those type of numbers. But there is also this other remarkably strange aspect of, of Kane's season where you wonder how much greater he could have been because he is having his worst season shooting percentage wise and it's really fallen precipitously since scoring his 400th goal whatever the reasons are for that I'm not sure but you know that Patrick himself is just as frustrated because he stays on top of all these things but since scoring his 400th goal um, reaching that plateau 30 games ago he has taken 93 shots and scored just four goals on those 93 shots. Um, that's a little over 4%. Over the last 19 games, he has scored twice on 63 shots. So it has been absolutely amazing where, I don't know if it's him having the same type of puck luck that Alex Dabrinkit had a year ago, that now Alex Dabrinkit has suddenly smashed out of this year, this season. But uh, it's just fascinating, whereas... Patrick can continue to be effective, put up those numbers, but you number, you just wonder how much more effective uh, he could have been and where this team would be if he would have lit the lamp a little bit more frequently. And you know he's thinking about it. This is not in any way to point a finger at him. Right. It's, just, it's just some of these weird, wild numbers that you've never seen from, from Patrick before where uh, he came into Tuesday night's game 8.5%. That was for the entire season 15 goals on 177 shots that was a career low just four goals now in his last uh, 30 games yeah how it feels like it wasn't that even long ago <laughs> that we were talking about Patrick Kane maybe going for the Hart Trophy you right know, because of the start he had and you're right this is in no way to um, criticize Patrick Kane, Kane's year but you do know that he's thinking of it because he's just one of those hockey brainiacs in terms of stats and remembering all of his goals so I'm sure when he doesn't score it's all that more overbearing over his head because he realizes that it's not as much as it, it usually has been. I think uh, Peace in the Athletic was mentioning how this is the first time he hasn't had a 20-goal season, and granted, it's an abbreviated yeah. season. Had it been regular, he would have had it, but you know, I'm sure he he probably thinks at his own personal level, oh man, I could have had that. But the thing is, 
the Blackhawks shouldn't have to rely on Patrick Kane to spark their offense day in and day out. I mean, he, he's been that for so long, and he was that for the majority, or, or at least the first half of the season. But, I mean, at some point, you've got to build that team chemistry. You've got to build that depth in the offense. And I think that was one of the biggest things for the Hawks this year in terms of losing out on their playoff opportunities. We saw how Nashville could contain the Blackhawks' off- offense and especially contain Kane, so they got to find a way around that. If, if Patrick Kane can't contribute, somebody else has to, and that's why Blackhawks teams before were just so stacked with so many skilled players that was able to happen. But I, it's it's totally it's totally a talking point about Patrick Kane this year offensively. But again, it, it's not his fault. I'm not saying that you were saying that, but I hope Blackhawks fans understand that that's not his fault for why the Blackhawks offense wasn't as consistent as it probably should have been this year. Yeah, a lot of varying factors there. You know, uh, some you know there, there have been stretches of games and stretches of uh, uh, you know periods where the Blackhawks have been hemmed in their own end. They can't find a way to get out and have the puck on. Patrick Kane stick a lot more. He's surrounded by kids both on the ice and in the locker room, plus at home now. So that's that yeah. could be another factor as well. But it, it's just you know this is an aberration of a season for for Patrick Kane from a goal scoring standpoint. But still, he is right up there uh, among the top ten in scoring, despite uh, managing just fifteen goals this season. And on the complete opposite end of the spectrum, I don't know if we can stop running out of adjectives. I think I might be doing it right now with Alex DeBrinket <laughs> season with what he has been able to do two more goals on Tuesday night, bring his total to 28 on the year. And it just goes to show you, for great players, these things are short-lived. And and Alex has repeatedly said he grew out of his experience last year, creating himself you know, a, a, a greater overall game, a greater 200-foot game. The fact that you know he is now trusted on the penalty kill with his improvement uh, on uh, from the defensive aspect, and he shor- scores a shorthanded goal in Tuesday night's game. It just uh, speaks volumes as to how much he has grown and the fact that uh, with great players, these things uh, don't last very long. They find their way out of it, no matter what statistical bugaboo might be affecting them one season or another. Yeah, and I think that's the biggest part because, uh, boy, we saw Alex Debrink get very frustrated before in years past with not being able to to find the back of the net and just seeming to be snake bitten. But, you know, Jeremy Colleton said it today in the post game, saying he's becoming a complete player. And I, I think that's the perfect way to put it. Um, another number pulling from a recent article by The Athletic in terms of the important numbers of the Blackhawks recently, but uh, Alex Dabrinkit has drawn more penalties, 12 more penalties yeah. than he's taken. So, I mean, that just shows a team leader right there, and that just shows a guy who knows what he's doing and, and does... Does everything he do, he everything he does on the ice has intent, and you just see a lot more uh, comfort with him offensively with the puck on the ice or finding somebody on the ice, and you know you hope that can be contagious moving forward because we've seen we've seen it happen with Patrick Kane and certain players, and hopefully Alex DeBrincat starting to become that player too, and. Uh, you know, with what he's proven this year, that seems to be the case. A guy that can be used in all situations. That that's what Alex DeBrinket has uh, has evolved into here, and it's just uh, unfortunate. You could tell in his disappointment on Monday night after the team was officially eliminated, third time in his four years.
years in the NHL, the Blackhawks failed to make the playoffs. And to be quite honest, last year was was you know a, a bit of a quirk in right. the way that they were able to uh, to get in. So unfortunately, the Blackhawks uh, not being able to make the playoffs as uh, they will finish out of the running this year, but certainly a year of growth. We're not by any means done because once they wrap up the season, there'll certainly be some exit interviews with the, the media, and we'll bring that to you next week, probably Tuesday, if not Wednesday. So we'll get some final thoughts on the season from both Joe and myself, as well as from uh, uh, head coach Jeremy Carlton, Stan Bowman, you know, a handful of players, especially those veterans like Kane and Keith and uh, those guys uh, taking a- another trip home much earlier than uh, they are used to here um, as the Blackhawks fall short of the playoffs. So we'll be back at you early to mid next week, Tuesday or Wednesday, with another edition of the Blackhawks 720 podcast. In the meantime, we thank you for checking in with us once again. We also thank Ernie Scatton and our producer, Curtis Koch, and we hope you have yourselves a great weekend and hope some of you are being able to make it out to the United Center. Yeah, how about that? For the two games that fans are finally being allowed back in, uh, that was certainly good to see. A couple hundred were allowed in to the game on uh, against Florida over the weekend just to kind of uh, have a soft opening, if you will, and to get all their uh, ducks in order when they do open the doors for a few thousand people here for the games against Dallas on Sunday and Monday. I think we may finally be getting out of this and hopefully, knock on wood, returning to normal. And we hope all of you uh, have been well and uh, healthy and uh, continue to be so. And hope to see some of you out at the United Center on Sunday and Monday to uh, cheer the Blackhawks on. It's a team with a a lot of upside for years to come. And uh, they certainly made some strides, even though falling short in the end this year. So for Joe Brand, for Curtis Koch, our producer, I'm Chris Bowden. Thank you once again for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to the Blackhawks 720 podcast. Tell a friend, subscribe, and join the conversation. And follow the guys on Twitter at Bowden Tweets and at Joe underscore brand one. That was great.